0: section thirty five of the genius by theodore dreiser this librivox recording is in the public domain book two chapter seven the exhibition which followed in april was one of those things which happened to fortunate souls a complete flowering out before the eyes of the world of its feelings emotions perceptions and understanding we all have our feelings and emotions but lack the power of self-expression it is true the work and actions of any man are to some degree expressions of character but this is a different thing the details of most lives are not held up for public examination at any given time we do not see succinctly in any given place just what an individual thinks and feels even the artist is not always or often given the opportunity of collected public expression under conspicuous artistic auspices some are so fortunate many are not eugene realized that fortune was showering its favors upon him when the time came Monsieur charles was so kind as to send for the pictures and to arrange all the details he had decided with eugene that because of the vigor of treatment and the prevailing color scheme black frames would be the best the principal exhibition room on the ground floor in which these paintings were to be hung was heavily draped in red velvet and against this background the different pictures stood out effectively eugene visited the showroom at the time the pictures were being hung with angela with smite and mchugh shotmeyer and others he had long since notified norma whitmore and miriam finch but not the latter until after wheeler had had time to tell her this also chagrined her for she felt in this as she had about his marriage that he was purposely neglecting her the dream finally materialized a room eighteen by forty hung with dark red velvet irradiated with a soft illuminating glow from hidden lamps in which Eugene's pictures stood forth in all their rawness and reality, almost as vigorous as life itself. To some people, those who do not see life clearly and directly, but only through other people's eyes, they seemed more so. For this reason, Eugene's exhibition of pictures was an astonishing thing to most of those who saw it. It concerned phases of life, which in the main, they had but casually glanced at things which because they were commonplace and customary were supposedly beyond the pale of artistic significance one picture in particular a great hulking ungainly negro a positively animal man his ears thick and projecting his lips fat his nose flat his cheek-bones prominent his whole body expressing brute strength and animal indifference to dirt and cold illustrated this point particularly he was standing in a cheap, commonplace East Side Street. The time, evidently, was a January or February morning. His business was driving an ash cart, and his occupation at that moment, illustrated by the picture, was that of lifting a great can of mixed ashes, paper, and garbage to the edge of the ungainly iron wagon. His hands were immense, and were covered with great red-patched woolen and leather gloves, dirty, bulbous, inconvenient one would have said his head and ears were swaddled about by a red flannel shawl or strip of cloth which was knotted under his pugnacious chin and his forehead shawl and all surmounted by a brown canvas cap with his badge and number as a garbage driver on it about his waist was tied a great piece of rough coffee sacking and his arms and legs looked as though he might have on two or three pair of trousers and as many vests he was looking pure blindly down the shabby street its hard crisp snow littered with tin cans paper bits of slop and offal dust gray ash dust was flying from his upturned can in the distance behind him was a milk wagon a few pedestrians and a thinly clad girl coming out of a delicatessen store overhead were dull small paned windows some shutters with a few of their slats broken out. A frowsy-headed man looking out, evidently, to see whether the day was cold. Eugene was so cruel in his indictment of life. He seemed to lay on his details with bitter lack of consideration. Like a slave driver lashing a slave, he spared no least shade of his cutting brush. Thus, and thus, and thus, he seemed to say, is it what do you think of this, and this, and this? People came and stared. Young society matrons, art dealers, art critics, the literary element who were interested in art, some musicians, and because the newspapers made a special mention of it, quite a number of those who run wherever they imagine there is something interesting to see. It was quite a notable two weeks' display. Miriam Finch though she never admitted to eugene that she had seen it she would not give him that satisfaction norma whitmore william mcconnell louis dessa owen overman peintner stone the whole ruck and rabble of literary and artistic life came there were artists of great ability there whom eugene had never seen before it would have pleased him immensely if he had chanced to see several of the city's most distinguished social leaders looking at one time and another at his pictures all his observers were astonished at his virility curious as to his personality curious as to what motive or significance or point of view it might have the more electically cultured turned to the newspapers to see what the art critics would say of this how they would label it because of the force of the work the dignity and critical judgment of kellner and son the fact that the public of its own instinct and volition was interested most of the criticisms were favorable one art publication connected with and representative of the conservative tendencies of a great publishing house denied the merit of the collection as a whole ridiculed the artist's insistence on shabby details as having artistic merit denied that he could draw accurately denied that he was a lover of pure beauty and accused him of having no higher ideal than that of desire to shock the current masses by painting brutal things brutally mr witla wrote this critic would no doubt be flattered if he were referred to as an american valet the brutal exaggeration of the painter's art would probably testify to him of his own merit he is mistaken the great frenchman was a lover of humanity a reformer in spirit, a master of drawing and composition. There was nothing of this cheap desire to startle and offend by what he did. If we are to have ash cans and engines and broken-down bus horses thrust down our throats as art, heaven preserve us. We had better turn to commonplace photography at once and be done with it. Broken window shutters, dirty pavements, half-frozen ash cart drivers, overdrawn— heavily exaggerated figures of policemen, tenement harridans, beggars, panhandlers, sandwich men, of such is art according to Eugene Whitla. Eugene winced when he read this. For the time being, it seemed true enough, his art was shabby, yet there were others like Luke Severus who went to the other extreme. A true sense of the pathetic, a true sense of the dramatic, the ability to endow color, not with its photographic value, though to the current thought it may seem so, but with its higher spiritual significance, the ability to indict life with its own grossness, to charge it prophetically with its own meanness and cruelty in order that mayhap it may heal itself, the ability to see wherein is beauty, even in shame and pathos and degradation. Of such is this man's work. He comes from the soil, apparently, fresh to a great task there is no fear here no bowing to traditions no recognition of any of the accepted methods it is probable that he may not know what the accepted methods are so much the better if we have a new method the world is the richer for that as we have said before mr Whitla may have to wait for his recognition it is certain that these pictures will not be quickly purchased and hung in parlors the average art lover does not take to a new thing so readily. But if he persevere, if his art does not fail him, his turn will come. It cannot fail. He is a great artist. May he live to realize it consciously and in his own soul. Tears leaped to Eugene's eyes when he read this. The thought that he was a medium for some noble and superhuman purpose thickened the cords in his throat until they felt like a lump he wanted to be a great artist he wanted to be worthy of the appreciation that was thus extended to him he thought of all the writers and artists and musicians and connoisseurs of pictures who would read this and remember him it was just possible that from now onwards some of his pictures would sell he would be so glad to devote himself to this sort of thing to quit magazine illustration entirely how ridiculous the latter was how confined and unimportant henceforth unless driven by sheer necessity he would do it no more they should beg in vain he was an artist in the true sense of the word a great painter ranking with whistler sergeant velasquez and turner let the magazines with their little ephemeral circulation go their way he was for the whole world he stood at the window of his studio one day while the exhibition was still in progress angela by his side thinking of all the fine things that had been said no picture had been sold but monsieur charles told him that some might be taken before it was all over i think if i make any money out of this he said to angela we will go to paris this summer i have always wanted to see paris in the fall we'll come back and take a studio uptown they are building some dandy ones up in sixty-fifth street he was thinking of the artists who could pay three and four thousand dollars a year for a studio he was thinking of men who made four five six and even eight hundred dollars out of every picture they painted if he could do that or if he could get a contract for a mural decoration for next winter he had very little money laid by he had spent most of his time this winter working with these pictures oh eugene exclaimed angela it seems so wonderful i can hardly believe it you a really truly great artist and us going to paris oh isn't that beautiful it seems like a dream i think and think but it's hard to believe that i am here sometimes and that your pictures are up at kellner's and oh she clung to him in an ecstasy of delight out in the park the leaves were just budding it looked as though the whole square were hung with transparent green net, spangled, as was the net in his room with tiny green leaves. Songsters were idling in the sun. Sparrows were flying noisily about in small clouds. Pigeons were picking lazily between the car tracks of the street below. I might get a group of pictures illustrative of Paris. You can't tell what we'll find, Charles says. He will have another exhibition for me next spring. If I get the material ready. He pushed his arms above his head and yawned deliciously. He wondered what Miss Finch thought now. He wondered where Christina Channing was. There was never a word in the papers yet as to what had become of her. He knew what Norma Whitmore thought. She was apparently as happy as though the exhibition had been her own. Well, I must go and get your lunch, honey bun, exclaimed Angela. I have to go to Mr. Gioletti, the grocer, and Mr. Rigolier, the vegetable man. She laughed, for the Italian names amused her. Eugene went back to his easel. He was thinking of Christina. Where was she? At that moment, if he had known, she was looking at his pictures. Only newly returned from Europe. She had seen a notice in the Evening Post. Such work, Christina thought, such force. Oh, what a delightful artist and he was with me her mind went back to florizel and the amphitheater among the trees he called me diana of the mountains she thought his hamadryad his huntress of the morn she knew he was married an acquaintance of hers had written in december the past was past with her she wanted no more of it but it was beautiful to think upon a delicious memory what a queer girl i am she thought still she wished she could see him again not face to face but somewhere where he could not see her she wondered if he was changing if he would ever change he was so beautiful then to her end of section thirty five